Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Let me uh, lead off with a question. What is the last letter that you've read and what's the last letter that you have written? So the last letter that I have read uh, is Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. I also read a short note yesterday that uh, a friend sent me in the mail. So I should acknowledge that, but I don't think it constituted a letter. Um, And so I want to turn our attention to a letter that a woman named Fom Don Trong wrote across the top of the letter, she wrote this, just in case I'm imprisoned. She wrote it to a fellow dissident in Vietnam for safekeeping last year. Uh, The letter has now been opened because Pham Don Trong is now, in fact, in prison. She is Vietnam's most prominent democracy advocate. She anticipated her arrest, which came This last Tuesday, she was accused of, quote, making, storing, distributing, disseminating information, documents and items against the Socialist Republic of Vietnam. And her letter was made public. And here is uh, the remarkable appeal included therein. Um, I want you to note here, FOM is not asking us to seek her release. She says no one wants to sit in prison. But if prison is inevitable... For freedom fighters, if prison can serve a predetermined purpose, then we should happily accept it. I don't want freedom for just myself. That's too easy. I want something greater. Freedom for Vietnam. This is a woman who is now in prison. She has written uh, books about political rights, political rights that we enjoy here in the United States, by the way, political rights that are not enjoyed by people who live under communist regimes, like the one in Vietnam. She has written a book called Politics for the Common People, Politics of a Police State, uh, Citizen Journalism, a Handbook for Families of Prisoners. That might be one that uh, people need to and should be reading today in light of the fact that she's now in prison. Why lift up the testimony of one woman in a prison in Vietnam? Because I want you to hear her voice. She wants what we have. She wants free and fair elections. She wants a nation where she is free to speak her mind, no matter what she thinks. A nation where you don't go to jail for saying things uh, like things aren't the way they're supposed to be. We can do better. People are precious. People matter. We are not cogs of the state. The state is not divine. You don't go to jail in America for saying those things. We, we are still a city that is a light on a hill to people like this woman. She's languishing in prison in Vietnam, fighting for the freedoms we enjoy. She wants to abolish dictatorship. 
inspire citizen journalists to bear witness to the truth, even when it's contrary to the narrative of the Communist Party. She wrote this in her letter, and I don't want us to miss this. This is the end of the letter. Please take care of my mother. That's a hard, um, that's a hard phrase to read out loud. Knowing what her mother now faces with her daughter in prison in Vietnam for political crimes. That should catch in our throat. It should take us to the foot of the cross where a mother named Mary stood watching her condemned son dying for the freedom of everyone from the power of sin and death. Looking to his disciple John and paraphrasing here, please take care of my mother. Freedom isn't free. There's a woman in prison today named Pham Don Trang in Vietnam. And she wants the freedoms we have. I want you to be mindful of that between now and November 3rd and on November 4th and every day that follows. Paul Asay is waiting in the wings. We'll be right back. is joining us from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You can find what we're talking about at least at the outset of the conversation today at PluggedIn.com. Let's talk movie reviews. Paul, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, man. I don't even want to talk after that that little I know. segment. Did you have to wipe I your just, nose? I know. I tell you, I just want to hear more about this woman. She just sounds incredible. Incredible. Oh, yeah, so, so much on. like um, you can read... Uh, you know, the letter from a Birmingham jail, um, mm-hmm. you can actually go online and read what she has written. I know that the Washington Post has it up. I also know that's behind a paywall. So we'll probably wait for um, some bright, shiny uh, Christian uh, news outlet to post it uh, again. Or maybe I'll write it up as the post for today's show, and then it would be um, at our website, myfaithradio.com. How about I just go ahead and commit to that? By the end of the day, you can find it there. How's that sound? Sounds great to me. I uh, I tell you, it, it does bring to mind, though, what a what a joy we have, I guess, in this country to uh, to talk about something as frivolous as movies. You know, I think that, that to be able to to just be able to to step back and understand the place that that movies and entertainment have in our life, it's it's become so important to us. And yet when you look at the grand scope of things, it's not very important at all in some ways. Right. So, well, but it is one of those freedoms, you know, that I would say, hey, because we live where we live, we have been able to produce a society where, you know, speech is not only like, you know, free to be had in your yard. Um, you can have it on the big screen. You can say things very publicly and very prominently that other people are not going to like. Um, and I think movies actually function in in a way in our culture where it gives us something, a common experience where we can then talk with one another about what we're seeing and how we're processing that, what worldview is being promoted, which I want to get to a conversation about that, which your book covers, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. Um, but let's start with a couple of movie reviews 
um, that uh, that are coming out. Um, talk with us about the war with Grandpa. You bet. This is a this is a movie that is actually out in theaters. We've seen precious few what? movies that have rolled out to theaters. We have a few chains that are still open. Definitely some independent movie theaters are open. This is one that is there at this very moment. War with Grandpa stars a few unusual people for a PG family comedy. Robert De Niro is in it. He reunites with Christopher Walken. Uh, who the last time I saw in a movie, they were playing Russian roulette in Deer Hunter. And Uma Thurman is in it too. And she's known for obviously a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies. They uh, are in this movie. They don't seem to mind that they're not shedding a ton of blood, but <laughs> the movie does get a little bit violent. Um, the, the setup is this. Robert De Niro plays this grandpa, Grandpa Ed, who's having a difficult time after his wife passes away. And so he's invited to, to live with his daughter and her family. The catch is he's taking over his grandson Peter's room, and Peter is not happy about it one little bit. He is very upset about losing what he considers to be the best room in the house. And so he declares war on his grandfather to get his room back. It's a it's a very small territorial dispute, if you will. And uh, and <laughs> it sets up essentially like a, a version of Home Alone, in a sense. Um, the, the pranks that you see can feel sometimes mean. Sometimes you just sort of wince because you know they must hurt. But no one actually really suffers too much trauma in this movie. Um, you do have some other elements to, to be aware of definitely for 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 families for a pg movie i was surprised at the the level of toilet humor that you have you have some allusions to grandpa maybe showing more of himself than you might like um and there's a little bit of language that that you have to deal with as well so so you do have some issues here but it has a very sweet message to it as well um Grandpa Ed and Peter, they get closer as this goes on. And oddly enough, uh, Grandpa sort of begins to um, leave some of the sadness of his of his grief behind just because he has to defend himself so much from Peter. Right. So let's um, let's quickly talk about small group and then uh, you and I got to take a very brief break. You bet. Small Group is a really nice Christian movie. Uh, you can buy it online. It's $6.99 most places. And it, it essentially talks about this documentary filmmaker. He's struggling and he decides to, and he's encouraged to, go undercover to expose the secret world of Christians. He wants to expose Christians and all their hypocrisy and all their judgmentalism. Uh, and so he pretends to be a Christian himself and, and starts, starts installing these, these hidden cameras to capture Christians at their worst. What he sees is much different. These uh, these Christians that he's looking at, some of them are definitely not perfect. Many of them, all of them are not perfect. And some of them can, can have some very um, uncomfortable traits, if you will say. But he learns something about the power of grace, that as Christians, we're not perfect, that we are all dependent on grace to, to walk through through day by day. And uh, it's a very sweet and surprisingly well done movie. I mean, you can tell that this is a lower budget movie, but it's very well done. Um, and it's a fun movie to watch. Okay, um, Paul, in, a, in an effort to um, talk both about your book, Burning Bush 2.0, and Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo, um, after <laughs> the break, 
I'm going to ask you questions from the back of the book and have you apply them to uh, the Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo release. Okay. Oh, oh my goodness. All right. This should be worlds, fun. Worlds collide. We'll be right back. I got Paul Asay from Focus on the Families plugged in. So I'm continuing my conversation with Paul Asay. He has a great book entitled Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. Um, you, you cover a ton of content in the book, Paul. I actually just want to fast forward to the end and um, help you teach us, have you teach us actually what you're trying to accomplish, which I think is equip us to engage in conversations about what we're watching that help us understand not only the worldview of the of the movie or the show, but also understand our worldview as it's brought into, um, you know, into that point of, uh, hey, I was over here herding my sheep and all of a sudden this thing caught my attention out of the corner of my eye and I walked over to see what it was. What is going on, um, you know, here today? Do I about have what the book is about? I think you nailed it right there. I think when you're talking about movies, because they are so influential, not only movies, but all entertainment, it's so influential in our lives um, that it really is important to grapple with it seriously. I think that oftentimes we sit down and we watch something and we enjoy it and we just sort of let it wash over us. And there's a place for that for sure. But at the same time, we have to understand that that these messages that we're being given, these stories are inherently powerful. We are creatures of story. We love story and we learn by them. And so what are these movies teaching us? Sometimes it can be really good. Sometimes it can be horrible. Very, very often it's a blend of both. And so it really behooves us not only to pay attention to what these stories are telling us, but to pay attention to what we believe and where we can learn from some of these stories, but also where we might push back against them. Okay, so let's uh, let's bring into view Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo. Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo is something you have seen and we have not. So talk with us about uh, the heroes of of Scooby-Doo. And then and then let me just ask the question, which is a question that you ask in the book. You're sort of training us how to do this. Do you see people acting sacrificially um, in this show? Are they giving themselves to help others? Who and why? That is a great question. Yes, Scooby-Doo, uh, Happy Halloween, one of the deepest, most poignant movies out on the scene today. <laughs> The heroes of the story are, of course, the heroes that we've grown so familiar with over the year. The whole Mystery Inc. gang. They're trying to solve this mystery of Crystal Cove. There is a lot of peril in this, obviously. The sacrifice would be more of a minor sacrifice, I think. I, oftentimes in these, in these heroic adventure stories, you have people who are willing to sacrifice their lives. You do see people who think they might be risking their lives for these, these curious little things. But I think a lot of the movie is about when our heroes don't necessarily always get along. Velma is determined, you know, the, the smart person in, in, in the bunch is, is very determined to get down to this mystery. And she clashes with Scooby and Shaggy over, over certain aspects of, of what's going on. And they can have a little bit of tension in their team. So 
in some ways, the, the, the movie has a great message about how to work with people who you don't necessarily always agree with. How do you work with and get beyond disagreements that you have or frustrations that you might have? And that's something that we all need to know how to do, right? I mean, it, it goes for, for the target audience. Sometimes this happens right in school, um, but it's a lesson that maybe some of us could learn from as well. So in our family, we have uh, Scooby-Doo is actually one of our like favorite characters in our house. But it has led us to great conversations about um, can everything be solved by science or is, you know, are there supernatural things that happen? Um, Velma seems always committed to finding the scientific answer. Um, she does not appear to believe in things that she cannot, you know, see, taste, touch, uh, feel, measure. Sco- uh, Shaggy. Um, is, uh, I mean, he's a believer, man, like, right. He believes in the supernatural, but he's also kind of the, you know, he's not, not sort of the smartest character. He's not, you know, but yet he seems to be the most spiritually sensitive character. And then we have had conversations in our house about, uh, uh, anthropomorphism, which for those of you not familiar with that term, it's it's sort of the way that an animal is turned into a human character. And so the humanization or the anthropomorphism of Scooby has led us to some very interesting conversations about um, the relationship between humanity and, and creatures. So I'm just going to I just use that as an example because we have had those kinds of conversations about Scooby-Doo in our own house. And I'm thinking, Paul, that not everybody who's listening right now has taken the time, has bothered themselves with bringing uh, the Christian worldview to bear and having these kinds of conversations with kids who are watching things like Scooby-Doo. But that's what you're advocating for um, in Burning Bush 2.0. And it's it's what you guys advocate for at PluggedIn.com. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it does seem you can sort of look at, at some of this and you think, oh, the Scooby-Doo, that's just a show. It's fun. And it's true. But at the same time, if your children are interested in it, you can draw some fantastic lessons by latching on to that interest and by drilling down and talking deeply about some related issues. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, debunk Scooby-Doo, <laughs> rip out the enjoyment of, of, of watching it, but you can use it as a springboard for deeper ideals. Um, and I think that that's what, what parents are really needing to do today in an entertainment-saturated culture, to be able to take the things that your children are interested in, be it a cartoon, be it a movie, be it, be it a video game. And use that as a catalyst to talk about about some very important issues. The the relationship between science and spirituality is a great one to talk about when it comes to Scooby-Doo. You can talk about um, the idea of needing to prove things, to be skeptical of what you see, um, and and dive into dive into the particulars. Try to find out what's behind it all, as Velma always does. I think there's a place for that too. And I think when you're talking about the relationship that we have with animals. I think that that those conversations are really great to have. Um, I know that as a kid, I grew up with a whole bunch of anthropomorphic characters, and it may have made it more difficult for me as a kid to watch an animal be heard on screen than a person because we get so desensitized to people being heard on screen, we barely even think about it anymore. But if an animal gets hurt, I think that there's a, a tender spot for us. 
Um, and, and because of that anthropomorphication, um, it, can be, it can be a difficult thing for children to deal with. There's no question about that. Everything from Bambi to the bear to um, uh, to Homeward Bound to I mean on and on and on and on the um, the way that we uh, humanize animals is a conversation that we have to have with our kids and with one another so that we do get to this right and righteous understanding of our responsibility for them as creatures under our care as stewards of uh, of the earth that God has created. But we are different from them. They are not like unto us in that they are not um, made in the image of the living God. It's an important conversation to have. Um, Hey, Paul, I wanted to let you know, uh, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet, um, is being cited in a senior thesis at Franklin Classical School this year. Well, that's very good to know. I feel very proud. So we'll probably have to send you a copy when uh, when it's complete. Puts Paul Asay. Yeah, you can find him at PluggedIn.com. The book is Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. We'll be right back. All right. I've heard from a couple of listeners on the text line this morning. And um, one uh, in particular, Kim, thank you so much for your message. Yes, I will absolutely post the commentary with the audio um, from the opening portion of the conversation about the woman imprisoned in Vietnam, it will be posted. I can go ahead and promise this, right, Paul, later today at MyFaithRadio.com. If I work it up, you can grab the audio. We can get it posted. We'll get right? her done. We'll get her done. So it will be at MyFaithRadio.com on the Mornings with Carmen page uh, a little bit later today. Um, also, I just wanted to answer uh, a listener who just texted in a moment ago from the 218 area code. Uh, yes, my mother taught me everything I know. No, not everything I know. She did teach me to speak in the way that I speak. Uh, She was a communications professor, in fact. Um, She had a television show for 14 years in Tampa when I was growing up on the PBS affiliate there. It was uh, was called Can Do Clinic. My mom was kind of the Martha Stewart before Martha Stewart. Uh, And so, yes. Uh, So thank you for complimenting um, my speech today, and I will absolutely pass your note along to my mom. It will it will make her day as well. All right, next up, uh, I've got one of my favorite conversation partners, Nicole Phillips. You remember her as the kindness expert. She is the author of The Negativity Remedy. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Licato. Life feels stuck when life makes no progress. When you battle the same discouragement you faced a decade ago or struggle with the same fears you faced a year ago, when you feel as though everyone gets to the pool before you and nobody wants to help you. Friend, Jesus sees you. He has a new version of you waiting to happen. He says to you what he said to the man near the pool of Bethesda. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Stand up. Do something. Take action. Pick up your mat. Make a clean break with the past. And walk. Hit the trail. Assume that something good is going to happen. Set your sights on a new destination and begin the hike. Getting unstuck means getting excited about getting out. And remember, friend, you are never alone. This is Max Lucado.
Nicole Phillips. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. So great to talk with you. Oh, it's great to talk with you as well. This is um, this is a delightful book. The book is The Negativity Remedy, Unlocking More Joy, Less Stress, and Better Relationships Through Kindness. Um, and uh, yes, I have copies available. So if, as we're talking today, you say to yourself, wow, I really need that. I would love to be the person um, who doesn't just value kindness, doesn't just understand it as um, as my responsibility as a Christian, but actually uh, a person who is equipped to learn to react differently, bringing more more positivity into the world, reducing the negativity. If you want help with all of that, this is the book um, for you. It's called The Negativity Remedy. Um, and if you want a copy, uh, give me uh, a text. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, so, Nicole, this is uh, this is not just a good story about all of us. This is your story. It is. It is. This book came from 10 years of uh, kind of research about kindness in my own personal life. So 10 years ago, I was on the edge of what anyone would call an alcoholic, a drinker, a smoker, an overeater, angry. That was the biggest problem, Carmen. I just was kind of angry at my husband all the time for little things like you know, he would always leave his socks on the floor next to the laundry basket. And that just was, <laughs> so those sorts of things would kind of unleash me. And I don't know if anybody else feels that or not, but I'll tell you what, the circumstances have not changed. The socks still end up most times next to the laundry basket, but the way that I look at it has changed. And so mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to teach people. Uh, because this is this is a book about showing kindness to other people. But ultimately, this is a book about the first person who's healed by the effort, and that is the person who's making the effort to be kind. Like, I am the first person healed um, when I'm extending kindness to another person. Absolutely. My mission is to really just teach the world about the radical transformation uh, that happens within a person when they lead with kindness. And it's not the radical transformation of someone you're giving kindness to. It's yourself. Within a year of studying kindness, I had uh, I had totally quit drinking, quit smoking, lost 30 pounds, re-fell in love with my husband. And, you know, our house became tantrum-free, at least by me. <laughs> I still have three kids, but, you know, I certainly was not adding into the drama in our household. Right. That You are describing, I think, a hope that many people listening right now think is beyond their ability to um, apprehend. They live in a tantrum-filled house. Their their, uh, fuse is short. They have unexplained outbursts at their husband and their kids. Um, They eat in secret. They know that they're doing things to this body, this temple of the Holy Spirit, that are unkind to themselves, and yet they feel powerless to stop. Part of what you're saying is start intentionally doing the kindness thing, and you will find that it fills um, a vacuum that you didn't really know how to identify. Exactly. So all of those things you mentioned are self-medicating. They they are. And so kindness is kind of an alternative uh, to the self-medication, and it really gets our eyes off of ourselves and puts them onto the needs of others. But I would even take that a step further, almost a prequel to that, Carmen. And I would say that really 
if you, if you think I can't even get off of the couch and do an act of kindness, like I'm not there. The first step is to think about what you're thinking about and really get real with the thoughts that are coming into your mind. Because if they are thoughts that are dragging you down, if they are thoughts that are full of hurry and worry and you being the judge and jury of yourself and everybody else in the world, you know, those thoughts don't come from God. Um, and so we don't have to accept them. We can choose to reject those thoughts. We can choose to replace them with thoughts that are going to really be uplifting to our day. And, um, you know, God tells us to, to renew our minds daily, right? But the neat thing is that that science and God line up so perfectly in this because we are constantly retraining our brain every single day, regardless of your age. We teach our brain how we want it to operate tomorrow and respond to things tomorrow based on how we respond to things today. So if we lash out in anger when we see, you know, all the shoes on the floor in the middle of the mudroom, um, that is teaching our brain that, yes, when something upsets us, we need to figure out how to get to those anger pathways quickly. And so what we're we're trying to do, and, and I've seen happen in my own life, is this ability for the brain to see things from another perspective. So it it is possible and it happens very quickly. So hope for people. All right. If you need the negativity remedy, if you would uh, like to unlock more joy, less stress and better relationships through kindness, we want you to check out the negativity remedy. It is Nicole Phillips' new book. I do have copies to give away. If you're interested in entering into the drawing, just text the word book to 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four. We got to take a very brief break. When we come back, I'm going to ask um, Nicole to talk about um, expectations, gratitude, and slowing down. That conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Uh, extending a virtual hug this morning to Nicole Phillips. We are appropriately socially distanced, but we are of one heart and mind on the topic of the day, which is kindness. Hey, this completely aligns with what um, Time Magazine thinks is the most critical issue in the culture. They have dedicated their entire 2020 special edition to the question of kindness. Um, and so not only is this like available on the newsstands in terms of what's out there, people are interested in it. This is a Christian worldview brought to bear on the reality of negativity and why maybe uh, God holds out this requirement for us. So Micah 6, 8 might be the verse that I would lift up to you today. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. The book is The Negativity Remedy. Nicole Phillips is here to share it with us. So, Nicole, um, let's talk about three things. Let's talk about expectations. Let's talk about the uh, importance of gratitude. And then let's talk about slowing down. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll start with expectations. Have you ever, Carmen, gone into a conversation or a meeting or anything with someone and um, you were a little hesitant because you weren't exactly sure how these people are going to react to you and if you were going to have your point heard and, and that sort of thing. Has that ever happened to you? At least four times a day because I talk with people um, and I ask them questions in front of hundreds of thousands of other people and I don't know what they're going to say. Exactly, right? Yeah. And it happens 
for the rest of us when we go to the post office, because, you know, maybe the last time we were at the post office, somebody was hungry and crabby and, you know, whatever. So, so the expectation is to expect people to be kind because when we go into a conversation or a meeting or the post office with this idea that people are going to be kind, they're going to be good to us. They're, they're also in, uh, excited about this conversation or this interaction. We change our behavior toward them. And in return, they mimic our behavior. So it could be the tone of your voice. Hi, Carmen. Oh, it's so great to talk with you today. Or it could be like, hello, Carmen. I'm happy to be here. You know, <laughs> like, do you right. hear the difference? Oh, uh, no, you definitely hear the difference. Right. And when you walk into the post office, you can walk with your head up and a pleasant smile on your face and say hello, you know, or you can be hunched over and, and have maybe a little furrow in your brow. And so that's the difference. Because once you give that facial expression or once you give that energy to someone, they're going to turn around and give it back to you. And so when we expect people to be kind, we see them being kind back to us. So the second point was gratitude and verbalize your gratitude. And, you know, gratitude and and kindness are close cousins. They just are. They release some of the same um, chemicals into our brain specifically and into our bodies, specifically serotonin, which is the body's anti-anxiety and antidepressive uh, medication. So when we can intentionally go about our day and tell people, thank you for that. You know, when, when you're at a restaurant and somebody comes and fills up your water glass and you say, thank you. And do you have to say thank you for that? Well, no, but doesn't it feel good when people thank you for some of the mundane things that you do? You hand in a report to your boss and they say, oh good, I needed this. Uh, by five. So I'll take a look at it. Or if your boss says to you, thank you, I appreciate you getting this to me early. You know, that's uh, that's a, it's a way that makes you feel so good. And so what I like to tell people and I do myself is, is to verbalize your gratitude throughout the day. So you really notice the kindness happening to you. And then when you, when you go to sleep at night, when your head is on the pillow, think about, you know, who, who was I really grateful for today? What was I really grateful for today? And that that draws us closer to God as well, because every gift comes from him. So, All right. So um, you are one of my favorite people to turn to just in terms of like practical ideas for kindness. And in the back of this book, The Negativity Remedy, Nicole offers us 365 kindness ideas Really super simple things like greet your mail carrier by name. That's going to require that I actually know that person's name. Um, Leave a surprise note or gift card in a library book. So we did a little brainstorming, uh, you know, because I like to to sort of till the soil around me to see what people are doing um, that I might not know about. And it also gives us an opportunity to inspire others to maybe go and do likewise. So I have a friend who loves... Um, putting books in those little libraries all over the place. You know, there's like little libraries that are, okay. So she now, when she drops off books at the little library, um, she tucks gift cards into books that are in there. Like even like a little $5 gift card to like Sonic. So, which happens to be around the corner from the little library that's at our public school. Um, And she just puts them in there like bookmarks. So anybody that goes to get a book from the little library is also going to get a little $5 gift card. How precious is that? I know. I know. And then I have the pay it backward friend. Um, and, and she is like committed 
anytime she, well part of this is the discipline of not going through a drive through too often but she when she goes through a drive through she's committed to paying it backward paying the bill for the person behind her which you know right now people can order a lot of food at a drive through like they're like ordering for like a family of four and so anyway um her pay it backward commitment has really grown during covid I have a kid at church who has started doing something. He it, it stresses him out that, like, we don't have the kind of fellowship we used to have. You can't hug each other. You can't really see people's facial expressions. Um, you see people, you know, you know they're there because you see their cars in the parking lot. So he has started writing what he calls windshield wishes. So I'm not sure that maybe you want to write these on paper and tuck them under people's um, windshield wipers. He just writes with dry erase marker on their windows. Ah, cute. Well, and at church, that would be appropriate. People would be okay with that. Yes. And just like, you know, let's just be careful what we write. Right. Anyway, so there are, I think, lots of people having some inspired ideas uh, today about how to show kindness. What are um, what are some of your top uh, what sort of tops the list right now for you in terms of changing the climate? Let's say we want to be agents of climate change. This is something you talk about in the book, how how this changed the climate in your own home. Let's say I want to be a, an agent of climate change in in my home or in my community. Um, how does being kind, simply showing kindness, affect the climate that I'm in? Mm. Well, when we can slow down enough to to notice the people around us, to understand mm. that you know my child is standing here talking to me and I have my phone in my hand, which is more important in this moment, right? And so to slow mm. down, to take that pause, it's like the Holy Spirit pause. Um, and so when we can do that, we become more available for people and we, we, we lower our own level of anxiety and our own level of stress because we're only trying to do one thing. And how often do we only try to do one thing? So, (laughs) so what happens when we begin to multitask and we see things unravel because they're not all going the way we wanted them to go? We, we feel this elevated level of pressure. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're about ready to snap. And that's not the place where kindness lives. Kindness lives in that place where we slow down. Uh, So whether we take a few minutes before we get out of the car and walk into our house and just kind of finish those last texts or, or check that email. And then we can calmly walk into the house or whether it's acknowledging again in our thoughts, what's happening right in front of me. That's making me mad right now. Was someone, you know, is someone sitting on the couch when they're supposed to be unloading the dishwasher? What's happening? Take a moment to think about how you're going to respond to this and then respond. So that can be just a matter of, instead of screaming, why are you on the couch? I told you you had to unload the dishwasher. It can be a pause and say, hey, you know, (laughs) I understand that you're doing something else right now, but I really need you to help me unload the dishwasher. And so it's said with more respect, kind of like we would like to be spoken to. Speaking to others like we would like to be spoken to seems like a a good um, extension of the golden rule, but not one we often think about. Um, so, uh, Nicole, as always, such a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to actually live into the reality of Micah 6 8. Um, what does it mean to love kindness and to walk humbly in the midst of the generation in which we live? Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for the negativity remedy, unlocking more joy, less stress, and better relationships through kindness. I have copies available. If you'd like to enter the drawing, text the word book 
to 877-933-2484. You can check out uh, Nicole's podcast, The Kindness Podcast. You can also check out her weekly syndicated newspaper column, Kindness is Contagious. Um, and um, and you're in South Dakota, and so are some of our listeners. So um, are we giving a shout-out to any any particular uh, group or place in South Dakota today, Nicole? Well, I just want I just want the entire state to read the book, and so that includes all of you who are listening, because then we can just you know we can turn the page on COVID, begin a new chapter together here in the state, uh, chapter of kindness. Here, here. Let's uh, let's start writing a chapter of kindness together, Nicole Phillips. As always, thank you so much. Thanks. We'll be right back. Micah six eight. Let this influence your weekend plans. Micah 6, 8, uh, this is from the ESV. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? What have you got planned for this weekend? What if you were to align all of your weekend plans with God and walk out Micah 6, 8? Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.